You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and like always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. It is Patriots week, the biggest week of the Jets season most often. We want to see this losing streak end. I believe it is at 14 straight losses to the New England Patriots for the New York Jets. Uh, One of the longer streaks in team history, and there has never been a better time than this year, hopefully, seemingly, to end that streak. But before we get into that, we got to go over last week, week two at Dallas against the Cowboys, a 30 to 10 loss for the Jets. That was a lot closer than maybe the box score indicates. And in other ways, probably a lot further away uh, than the box score indicates. We'll get into all of that first, Matt. I want you to go ahead and jump off here and start looking at this Cowboys game as we spend a little time reviewing 30 to 10 seems like a, a, a quite a big victory for the Cowboys. And in a lot of ways it was, but I want you to go ahead. What were some of the positives that we saw from this team? Because there are good things we can take away from this game. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that Zach played a good three quarters. Um, he was considering what he had to deal with that pass rush and that defense is no joke. They were getting pressure almost every single pass play. I think the only play I didn't see like an immediate pass rush was the touchdown to Garrett Wilson off of play action. Other than that, he was under duress the entire game. Um, So I can, it's understandable to see how little production that offense really could get going in that kind of situation. But even still, he didn't, you know, flounder around. He didn't, you know, look out of place in the league as he has in other uh, games where he has felt uh, the same kind of pressure. And that's encouraging to me. He also, you know, showed in the games that he uh, continued uh, improvement when it comes to short passes uh, and the easy stuff. It's always the easy stuff last year that seemed so hard for him. So the fact that he's got that down a little bit better now, uh, and it wasn't just a a one-game fluke, like, hey, maybe maybe he's just... uh, he's hitting these uh flats and and screens and 
Quicksilence a little bit better one game, but no, now that he has two games under his belt, kind of doing the same thing, uh, I'm a little bit more encouraged that it's uh, it's something that's going to stick. So I'm encouraged with Zach. I think in a game there where he's not facing uh, a defense like the Cowboys, he will do a lot better. Uh, so there's that to look forward to. You, you got Wilson, who's you know still a monster. He's still beating people left and right. Teams are just going to have to zero in on him. Uh, so that's going to open up some things for everybody else. It's just a matter of, you know, scheming them open, scheming some plays to Hardman, scheming some plays uh, to Hall, to Conklin, anybody, everybody. Just get them the ball, get them open and get them the ball. So I'm encouraged that we can do that going forward. Because we're not going to play a team like the Cowboys every week. Parsons is in a league of his own. What he can do on the field is like a nuke. And that nuke sends out a shockwave that impacts everything. The entire line is scared of what Parsons can do. And therefore, they're not really worrying about everybody else. No matter what their assignment is, they always have their eye on Parsons. And even still, he was able to penetrate and cause chaos. There's nobody else we will face this year that is like that. There's there's good defenses, there's good pass rushes, there's good defenders, but no, I don't think there's anybody in the league that's at the level of Parsons. So we have that to, to kind of hang our hat on. That I know that's not really like a, a, a great thing, but uh, considering what he did to our, our offense, but I'm at least encouraged by that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a good time. I do want to stick to the positives here a little bit, but I want to, while we're on the topic of Micah Parsons, I kind of want to go over um, a misconception that I've seen throughout this week after this game, where I've seen a lot of fans asking, you know, why don't they double Micah? Why are they leaving him one-on-one? Why are they, They you know, (laughs) like, first off, they did try. They honestly did. Um, Second, it's not like Parsons was staying in the same spot the whole game. The Cowboys were moving him up and down the line. He had snaps lined up directly over the center. He had snaps out at wide nine. He had snaps inside. He looped in on a stunt one play. I mean, they they put him in in a multitude of different alignments that made it very hard to figure out protection. And when you're a player as good as Micah Parsons, sometimes a double team doesn't matter. Sometimes you can just, you'll beat a double anyway. And there's only so many ways that you can double guys. And it's really hard to structure a pass blocking scheme that accounts for Parsons and also accounts for everybody else. And I think that's the the misconception here that I wanted to point out, Matt, and you alluded to it. They were so focused on, okay, where's Micah? Where's Micah? Where's Micah? Other guys were winning too. Demarcus Lawrence had a great game. Demarcus Lawrence looked excellent, was generating pressure. I I don't think he finished with an actual sack, but he was around Zach Wilson constantly. He was giving Makai Becton some fits. You had Adigazua, the defensive tackle, get a sack on the inside who beats ABT and comes clean up the middle and gets Zach Wilson down. This Cowboys defense is, is very, very good. It's very, very strong. And when you go out of your way as an offensive line to single out we're not going to let Micah Parsons beat us. Everybody else will. And that's the, the misconception that I've seen from everybody is, why didn't you double-team Micah Parsons? Well, 
if you double team Micah Parsons in a traditional set, he's a defensive end. He's lined up over the left tackle. There's only a couple of ways you can really look to double team him. You could keep a tight end in line. You could have him in the block, which in a, a, a sense really is just putting your tight end one-on-one because if Parsons goes outside, Dwayne Brown's to the inside of that tight end. The tight end's almost running interference and can't, how's he supposed to get outside and get a hand on Micah when Micah's already outside of the tight end who's outside of Dwayne Brown? There's that that pick and that interference in between. That makes it difficult for Parsons to just go outside and get a one-on-one with a tight end, which is even worse than him having a one-on-one with a tackle. You chip him with a running back. Micah Parsons is made of like solid steel, practically. You're going to have to get a really good chip. You're going to have to hope that whatever running back you have running that chip protection gets their shoulder dead in Micah's chest and really knocks him and takes away his momentum. And if you're Micah Parsons, you see that back stay in to protect. You know when a chip happens, it's usually to the outside. That means the offensive tackle that's blocking you is usually going to be shaded more inside to protect against that inside lane. And if you're Parsons, you go, okay, great. I'm going to run right between the two of you. And you're going to have to each get a half a shoulder on me and stop me. That makes it more difficult. You want a slide protection. If you want to have Parsons out on the edge and he's going to be over Dwayne Brown, you're going to slide protection. That left guard, in this case, it would be Lakin Tomlinson, is going to have to be the one moving out to double. Brown's going to take more of an outside track. Lakin's going to take more of an inside track. And again, if you're Parsons, you're going, okay, this might slow me down. But now there's a wide open gap where the left guard used to be because they now are doubling me that all we have to do is take our, if we're the Cowboys defense, take our defensive end from the other side and loop him around into that gap, and it's a free rush. There's, there's no set answer to, to how do you fix this. Unfortunately, and Matt, this is where I've been waiting to get your opinion all week on this, and I really want to hear how you feel. Unfortunately, guys, sometimes NFL players have to block stars one-on-one, and it's hard, and it's not ideal, and it leads to some bad matchups and it leads to some games like we saw this past Sunday where Michael Parsons takes over because nobody can get a hand on him and nobody can seem to slow him down. It's the NFL. That happens. Players take over. Guys get paid. Defenders get paid too. These guys are really, really good. And you can't sacrifice the entirety of your team to say we are going to stop this one player on this defensive line because like I said before, You got guys like Demarcus Lawrence. You got guys like Adigazua. You got other players on this line that can win. And giving them one-on-ones all game isn't necessarily an ideal situation either. If we are going to be upset that the Jets couldn't block Micah Parsons one-on-one, would we be equally as upset if they couldn't block Demarcus Lawrence one-on-one, but Micah Parsons didn't have a big game? Is the end result that much different? Is there really that much of a a huge microcosm of a difference between Micah Parsons took over this game or Marcus Lawrence took over this game or Adigazua took over this game or, or anybody else on the defensive line took over this game. I, I think it's a, it's, it's the fan perspective of things being easier said than done in the sense that, Oh, you just double Micah Parsons and he's done and he slows down. And then who else is going to beat you? It's not that simple. And honestly, Matt, and we'll get into this when we get to the Patriots, I don't think it's that simple this next week either. I think you you have to understand that an offensive line is a unit and so is a defensive line and that they can work in tandem too and that they can scheme up things to free up people and that if you as an offensive line are going to put all your attention on one guy, all you're doing for the entire game, all you're doing is opening the door for everybody else. 
Yeah. Uh, my biggest complaint is not that they didn't try and stop Parsons that uh, as much as they they did. My complaint is that they didn't, you know, try to offset the the power of of Parsons, the power of Warren. The fact that they only ran the ball 11 times, I think. I think that is a problem. The fact that they didn't try and do more play action or bootlegs or any kind of jet motion or do really anything to kind of slow the defense down a little bit. I think that's more my complaint, that they didn't really make any kind of alterations to their game plan to really try to limit what that defense is doing. So, yeah, I, I'm. You're you're right. Like it, it doesn't doesn't matter if it's Parsons or Lawrence. I mean, no, it doesn't. But I still think they could have done more to try and and limit that impact. Where that that touchdown that that we missed at the end of the half, that was because of Lawrence. Lawrence is the one that tipped uh, Zach's hand and yep. uh, and caused that incompletion. Other than that, we we would be. I, I, actually, I forgot what the score was going into halftime, but I, I'm pretty sure we would have had the leader have been a lot closer. I think it was 10 to three at that point. I think it was 10, three. So it would have been a tie game. Uh, so I'm, I'm, that's more or less where my complaints are not with what they were, uh, not able to do against Parsons. Yeah. And I think all of those are very valid. And I think that's where the, the miss, the misconception is really happening is that the attention that we're putting on the offensive line we're going, oh, you know, why didn't we scheme up more double teams? Why didn't we try and stop Parsons? Why is he just getting one-on-one with Dwayne Brown? The real question is, as a play caller, as an offense as a whole, why are we not designing more plays to limit that? Why are we allowing Parsons to just be able to tee off every play? Why are we not calling plays that take advantage of that aggression? Why are we not running the ball more, like you said? They averaged four yards a carry on the day. It's not like they were getting completely and totally stuffed. Reese Hall only had four touches uh, in the entirety of the game. I know he's supposed to be on a pitch count, but but that's that's low even for for a pitch count. Four total touches. Why are we not scheming the ball into this guy's hand more? Like you said, why are we not influencing with some more jet motion? Why are we not causing a defense to get out of alignment? Why are we not allowing for some easier completions? You make defense so much easier to play as an offense when you are static when you don't move when you don't use any sort of motion or indicators to give the defense something to worry about or to identify coverage i remember seeing in this past week uh against the patriots and dolphins in that game where what seemed like every other play the dolphins would come out in some amount of a spread formation They'd have two receivers to one side, one uh, in the slot, one outside, and they would take that outside receiver. Sometimes it was Tyreek. Sometimes it was fullback Alec Ingold. Sometimes it was Gusecki or um, their tight end. Gusecki's in the Patriots, my mistake. Sometimes it was their tight end. Um, Sometimes it was Waddle. It, It didn't matter who it was. They would take that outside receiver. They'd motion him in, and he'd get behind the slot and form a stack formation, and then right as the outside receiver gets into the, that stack, they would snap the ball. And the Dolphins probably ran seven different plays in two drives just with, from that motion, from similar alignments with that same pre-snap motion. 
And every single time the Patriots defense keyed on it and the ball went the other way from the motion. That's that's as an offense, how you get a defense out of sync. You give them something to worry about. That's not real. You, you let them take the cheese. You give them a something to change their plan, to have to adjust on the fly. And, and as we've heard Robert Sala as a defensive coach say over and over and over and over, defenses work better when they don't have to think and they can just react. Defenses work better when there's not confusion, when everybody's on the same page, when everyone knows where everybody else is supposed to be and what you have the freelance to do or don't that's going to either mess up your coverage or allow you to make a play. And if you as a defense are caught worrying about what the offense is doing and what this motion and who's taking over, if this guy goes vertical or this one goes shallow, or what if it's, you know, what if it's Ingold coming on the motion and they're just going to run an inside zone and he's going to be an insert block up to the safety. When all of that is what you're worried about, when you have so many different options as a defender to worry about at once, it causes you to freeze. It causes you to get your eyes in the wrong spot. It causes you to miss other things happening on the field that would be relevant to stopping an offense. And the Dolphins maybe do that better than any other team in the NFL. The Jets last week didn't do much of that at all. And I think that's a big, big reason why they struggled so much on offense. Oh, absolutely. Can you name one thing our offense did that they had to worry about that they had to like change their plans because no i didn't see a single thing <laughs> it, it seemed like the entire game our offense was more worried about what they're doing instead of the other way around and that's something that needs to change because we have yeah. the weapon to make other teams worry so if you're not doing that then that's on hackett that's not on zach it's not on the players that's on hack Yes, it is. 110%. Yes, it is. Um, and I think that is the that is where we have to end with the Jets offense is Zach Wilson did a solid job. I was actually fairly impressed with Zach Wilson and his ability to stay calm in the pocket under pressure all day. And this is the important thing for me is that he still stayed calm in the pocket at the end of the game is that we've seen the pressure eat him alive we've seen it start to build up as the game and the season goes on to where he gets that deer in the headlights rattle book and all of a sudden it's zach spinning out running backwards and it's a 17 yard sack we didn't really see much of that it wasn't until the very very end of the game when the jets are already down two scores and it's garbage time and they're trying to come back and make a play he rolls out to his right he's trying to make a throw on the run at the last second he doesn't see um the underneath safety sitting out and buzzing on the sideline and safety jumps up and intercepts the pass. Zach Wilson not seeing underneath defenders is a common problem that we've seen for years now. This wasn't showing its ugly head again, but it's at the end of the game when you're forcing and you're trying to make a play, when you're trying to keep your, your team in it, when you're, you're doing everything you can to keep yourself fighting. And so I'm not going to be as critical on him for that play. It's still his fault. He still needs to see the underneath defender better. But it's much less of a a glaring issue when you have an entire game's worth before that play happening of him being calm, of him being in rhythm, of him finding the open man, of him not panicking when the pocket's closing around him, of him being able to step up and go right up the middle of the pocket and get a couple of run plays and pick up some first downs. We've seen some improvement. And some of his other plays were a lot closer to what we expected when he was drafted then I think people realize he had a play for a first down. I believe it was on the drive before the tip pass to Garrett Wilson at the end of half where Garrett's to Zach Wilson's right lined up outside. 
and I believe it's third and nine, and they throw a back shoulder. He throws a back shoulder to Garrett, who's on the sideline, who's able to box out the corner, catch the ball first down, puts it perfectly back shoulder for Garrett where the defender can't get it. And if you remember, Matt, however many years ago it was now, when we were breaking down this quarterback class, the 2021 class that Zach Wilson was a part of, one of my favorite parts about Zach Wilson's game was his ability to read leverage of defenders and throw back shoulder and create completions that weren't open. And this was maybe the first time I've seen him do it as a pro in, in his third season was identify the coverage from Garrett. You got the corner sitting inside. You know, you only need however many yards to get a first down. And you have this guy with his great body control and hands and leaping ability that you can trust to come down with the ball, put it where only he can get it and let him make a play. That's what we saw Zach do at BYU over and over and over. And to see that come out, I think was, was really encouraging. I'm, I'm not as much worried about Zach Wilson and his ability. I'm more worried about can the offense and Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator put him in positions to succeed so that he doesn't have to be doing everything himself. I agree. Uh, it, it's a lot to ask. And he has come such a long way in in the regards to which we've already spoken about. And it's it would be a shame to to really hinder him and kind of prevent him from continuing to grow. He is a guy that's still learning. We were hoping he would have this redshirt year to sit behind Rogers, uh, sit under his wings, really learn the ways from the goat himself. But now he's forced into the limelight, forced back onto the field, like a story that we've heard over and over again in the last two years. And I just want to see him thrive. Everybody wants to see him thrive, but we need to put him in these favorable positions. He's got the talent. We, they drafted him for a reason. For the, uh, and the, the, the reason you mentioned with the, being able to identify leverages and attack it. These are things that he's always had. He's just need to be utilized and given the confidence and just allowed to thrive. And we're seeing the, the beginning of that happening. And everybody just needs to get on the same page to kind of have it all come to fruition. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think this works as a good transition into where do we go from here looking ahead at this game against the Patriots. And my first point for how the Jets can win against the Patriots this Sunday is very, very, very simple. And it might be counterintuitive. I know Jets fans are going to hear this and they're going to think I'm insane. You got to trust Zach Wilson more. You got to. If Robert Sala is going to have this stance that he is the quarterback, this is our team. We are rallying behind him. We have full faith in him. We've seen him grow. We've seen the improvements that he's made. We're waiting to see it. Don't be so conservative on offense. You can't. You can't be, we're going to be 13 personnel every play. You can't be, we're going to try and, and, and keep it short and throw the short passes and, and not have to have Zach think too hard and, and it's going to be quick reads and get the ball out of your hands quick. And that's all well and good. But you have to be able to trust this guy to make plays with his arm. You have to be able to trust this guy to push the ball down the field. You have to be able to trust this guy to, to scare a defense. <clears throat> because for so many years against the Patriots, and every time this happens, I think back to the infamous Sam Darnold ghosts game on Monday night. You get into a situation where the Patriots are going to be blitzing you practically every play to start the game. 
And the second they see you can't protect it and you get rattled and your quarterback's guessing, that's when they're going to show blitz and drop out. And while they are blitzing, they're going to tell their corners, you sit at 60-yard depths, and if anything comes underneath, you rally and tackle or outright pick it off. You have to punish that. You have to, you have to take advantage of a defense that is daring you to take their heads off, that is daring you to throw the ball down the field, that is <clears throat> daring you to make a big play. And if you don't have the confidence and the trust from the very beginning of the game, I mean, from the jump, from the first drive, if you don't have the trust to put seven men in protection to say, block things up, give Zach that extra half second, let him and his arm talent make a play for us. Let Garrett get one on one. If you want to if you want to press me, Cole Hardman with no safety. We're going to punish you for that. We are not going to let you, as the defense of the Patriots, dictate this game and how you we want to play. You are not going to decide what we do on offense. We are going to decide what you do on defense. And that starts with putting faith in Zach Wilson. And while I agree in that sentiment, any other time, nine out of ten times, that one time is maybe this week when it comes to what the weather is going to be like. By all accounts, it's going to be tropical storm weather torrential downpour and 20 mile per hour winds uh so i don't know if this is the week where i really want zach airing it out too much and that that's kind of where i'm at i think it's going to be a game of who has the best game plan uh in the in the immediate to from the short to intermediate stuff that that's where you're going to win whether it's the run the run game or who gets a little bit more creative in the passing game because anything downfield I think is just kind of opening the door to mistakes. I forgot who it was on the Patriots that said with the, with Zach or in this offense, you just kind of have to wait for them to make the mistake. And while I am McCourty on good morning football, former Patriot Devin McCourty. So, Oh, okay. So, and really he's, He's kind of a jerk for saying it, but at the same time, he's also right. And I am all in favor of not giving him that chance. And I think that we are in a position to where we can play a conservative game and still be good. Because a conservative game with Hall, a conservative game using our speed in the short and intermediate stuff, can turn into big explosive play. And if we lean on that, I think that we'll have success because I don't think that the Patriots are going to want Mac really opening it up either. So it's going to be who can outlap the other. That's definitely part of it. I don't disagree with anything you're saying and the weather is certainly an impact, but, but I want to throw a, I want to throw a stat out for you, Matt. And I think this is why I come back to, even if it's a monsoon, you you have to try, you have to threaten with it at the very least time of possession from the game against the Cowboys. The Jets had 17 minutes and 45 seconds of time of possession compared to the Dallas Cowboys, 42 minutes and 15 seconds, more than more than double almost triple the amount of time of possession of the Jets the Cowboys had. And why were they able to do that? Because the Jets defense is instructed and built to defend the deep ball, to defend the big play, and quote-unquote live with the dink and dunk. 
well, if the dink and dunk is working, then you get a game like what happened last week, where the offense has barely any plays, where they're barely on the field, where they can't get into any sort of a rhythm when they can't set anything up for later in the game because they don't. Jets offense ran 46 plays in total. The Dallas Cowboys offense ran 83. That, that is my worry. That is why, while I agree with what you're saying entirely, that it's going to be who outlasts this game. It's going to be who has the better game plan, who can stay consistent, where you don't want to be overly aggressive. I don't think we can trust the Jets' defense right now to stop a dink-and-dunk attack enough to give that Jets' offense time to dink-and-dunk themselves. And you look at the third-down differences between the Jets and the Cowboys. The Jets were 1-for-10 on third down last week. And the Cowboys were 9-for-18. That that's the game to me. That's the entirety of this past game. And it's going to be very, very similar to this game again against the New England Patriots. It's all going to come down to time of possession, efficiency on third down, being able to stay consistent. And I'm sorry, I'm concerned with this Jets defense. I'm concerned with their ability to tackle in space. I'm concerned with their ability to get off the field. The pass rush has not been this daunting, devastating nuclear powered reactor that we expected the Cowboys were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted on offense. They could run the ball just fine. Dak had plenty of time in the pocket. They were fine matriculating their way down the field. And so will Belichick. The Patriots will be the same way. They will be fine matriculating their way down the field. If the Jets offense can't keep up, that's going to make things harder. And my end point here, Matt, when you look at the, how these two defenses are constructed, are, are constructed, which defense is better equipped to defend a conservative dink and dunk attack? The Jets or the Patriots? I think it's the Patriots. I think their defense is designed to force you to dink and dunk. I think that's what they want. I think you're playing into their hand by trying to be conservative, by trying to not make the mistake and not worry about the big play and, and win the game with time of possession and outlast them. I think you're doing exactly what they want. Because like McCourty said, eventually that quarterback will make a mistake. They'll keep the game close up until the end. And it's going to take one play that they do right at the end of the game. It's going to put them in position to win. And the Patriots will have no problem winning a game 10-3. They'll have no problem winning a game 7-3. They'll have no problem winning a game 13-7. They don't care. They don't need to score 40 points. They're not worried about beating teams by this huge amount and having a super explosive offense. Their defense is built to punish teams that can't make them pay for being aggressive. This is, this is why the Sam Darnold ghost game happened, because the Jets at that time under Adam Gase knew, here's Belichick, he's going to come out with his double-A gap blitzes, everybody's going to be at the line of scrimmage, they're always going to be rushing one more person than the offense can block, unless the offense is blocking seven. If they're blocking any less than mass, max protection, the Jet, Patriots are going to have a free runner. And if you're Sam Darnold, you're thinking, okay, I got to get the ball out of my hands quick. I'm hot. Here's this guy. He's coming free off the edge. We got to find a way to block it. I think of one of the first throws of the game. It's a short out route to Jamison Crowder. You have, I believe it was Devin McCourty. Funny enough, speaking of Devin McCourty now on Good Morning Football when he was still a Patriot. In man coverage on Jamison Crowder, he's capped at five yards off Jamison Crowder. And the second Crowder puts his foot in the ground to cut outside, McCourty sprints downhill and picks the ball off. That's what the Patriots want you to do. That's what they're waiting for. 
you have to punish them. You have to back them off. You have to find a way to go and look at Belichick and say, you know what, Bill? We're not scared of you. We're not scared of this defense. I don't care that it's a monsoon. I don't care that you're the Patriots. You are going to pay for playing this type of coverage. And if they don't, then you have to hope the Jets defense can make enough plays to limit the Patriots offense, not completely and totally owning the game. And and I'm going to be honest, I'm worried that that's going to happen. All right. I think there's a happy medium here, uh, a middle ground where you have an entire conservative, entirely conservative game plan where you're just thinking and dunking and running into, into, you know, nine man boxes. And then there's picking your spot. And I think that's more where we should be, you know, finding a home where we kind of know what Belichick likes to do on defense. He wants to take away your best option. And our best option in the downfield game is Garrett Wilson. So I can see them bracketing Wilson and then stacking the box. And that's going to leave some very favorable matchups for guys like Hartman, for guys like Lazard, for guys like Hall, maybe squeaking out of the backfield on a wheel route. I think we could find our plate and our spots to take our chances downfield. And these could lead to some very explosive plays. And in the end, they know that they'll have to worry about them if we hit on even one or two of them. Hell, not even two, just one. If you hit on one of them in the beginning of the game, they'll be thinking about it the rest of the game. Exactly. And so should we. But I, I think for the most part, I would say 95% of that game will probably be conservative. Yeah, I think I don't disagree at all. I think you have to be aggressive to start to show the Patriots that you're not scared to show that they can't just play that defensive style all game. And then once you hit it, once you do it one time, Bill's going to back off. He's going to get scared. He's going to go, okay, you did it. And I think back to funny how these things always seem to align. There's one player in the NFL over the last 15 years or so that's done a better job at carving up Belichick's aggressive defenses than anybody else. And it was Aaron Rodgers. And what did Aaron Rodgers do? Got in max protection, held the ball, trusted his offensive line to give him just enough time, trusted his receivers to get open deep, and took the Patriots' heads off. Over and over and over. Where I, I'm, I want the first play of this game, quite honestly. The very first play from the opening snap. I want the Jets to get into a two-back set in an I formation. I want them to have Garrett Wilson on one side split out wide and Mecole Hardman on the other side split out wide. Uh, and I want Garrett running a deep post and I want Hardman running a slice route. And for anyone who knows what a slice route is, uh, it's also known as a divide route where it's a you're running a straight line, but you're not running straight down the field. You're d- going horizontally across the field in a straight line. And it's called a divide route or a slice route because you're, in essence, slicing the field in half diagonally. And so if you're Mecole Hardman, get on that inside release. We're going to get right up the field. I'm going straight to the, uh, if I'm on the left, I'm hit my, got my shoulders turned dead at the front right pylon of the end zone, and I'm running straight towards it. And if I'm Garrett Wilson, I'm getting off the ball. I'm giving my inside release. I'm hitting my half rocker step to the outside, and then I'm breaking back to the inside on the post, and I want everybody else on the Jets offense that isn't named Zach Wilson blocking. And you say, okay, Bill, you're going to play cover zero? Cool. You can either be one-on-one with Nicole Hardman and have to run 70 yards catching him, or you can be one-on-one with Garrett Wilson and have to bracket him. And if you want to bracket, that's fine. 
go ahead and take your bracket. Hopefully we can get enough blocking. If Zach needs to get out of the pocket and make a run, we do that. I, I, you have to back this team off early. You die the second you give in. When you as an offense don't dictate the game, when you as an offense don't force the defense out of what they want to do, you lose. Every single time when a defense in the NFL dominates the game and dictates to the offense what they can and can't do, it is very, very rare for that team on that offense to win the game. And I think it has to start early. Oh, absolutely. Take your chances. And we haven't really used McColl that much, right, so far, uh, if at all. <laughs> so I think this is the perfect chance to kind of implement him in this game plan. Uh, and even on the conservative stuff, if we're just thinking, you know, little bubble screens, uh, wide receiver screens, or just like a quick little hitch uh, if, they're, if they start backing off, just let him run with the ball in his hand. Let him use that playmaker ability that he has, that speed that we brought him in for. Because on the bench, he does nothing. On the field, he's at least a threat. Uh, so if we can get him going, I think it will only benefit the team. Hall as well. He was in on, I think, the first two weeks, he averaged around 16 or 17 snaps. But he only got the ball what, four times. So, yeah, even we need to maximize the snap. I understand he's on a snap count, but that doesn't mean we can't utilize him more within those snaps. I. I one hundred percent. Understand why they brought Cook in. It made sense. If you had any questions with the running back talent and the experience and what they would bring to the table, why not bring in more talent if you can? Fine, great. But Cook is not the kind of guy that is going to have the kind of production that Hall does. Hall is a threat every single time he touches the ball. Cook is the kind of guy that needs to touch the ball about 25 times a game, and he'll break a couple here and there. So his, his stats will look probably pretty good, but at the same time, he's getting the ball a lot and doing a lot of nothing in the meantime. So that kind of, that, that kind of play is, is okay if you have a passing game that's kind of uh, there to lean on. If your running game is running into walls, uh, three out of four times. So we need to get Hall involved a lot more when he's on the field. And I'm even more in favor of, of Carter being on the field a lot more than, than Cook, especially in a game like this. I, I, I wouldn't mind Cook kind of taking a back seat this game and having a guy like Carter kind of fill in uh, when, when Hall reaches that, that uh, snap count. Because I think Carter, with the ball in his hands, is able to make people miss and creates a lot of production on his own, even when there's nothing. And I feel like that will be valuable in a game like this. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I don't think you win this game if you're the Jets offense by spreading things out. I don't think you win this game by being in the shotgun the entire game. And, and yes, do you want to be... There's a difference between being conservative in your play calls and conservative in your formations. The Jets want to get in their 13 personnel, three tight end set, and they want to run the ball someplace, that's fine. But you also got to have some plays that are explosives built off of that. And you want to be under center 
and play the I formation game. That's fine. Again, but like I said, first play, get in that set and then look to go deep. Get in that set and then look to make explosives off of it. And I really think there's a big potential for Brees Hall to be utilized more. I want to see this guy in the pass game. I want to see him featured in the pass game. I don't want to just see him as a check down. I don't want to just see him catch a screen pass. I want to see him running routes. I want to see him getting one-on-ones with linebackers in space and and taking their taking their souls like we know that he can do. His first practice back this uh, this offseason, coming back from that ACL, we all saw the highlight in practice. Brees Hall runs the Texas route, runs the little angle, catches a pass in front of the Jets defense, and then runs his way off into the end zone at full speed. Why can't we do that in actual games? Why can't you get... Brees Hall one-on-one on Jawan Bentley in space and say, okay, Jawan Bentley, cover this guy. There's, there's ways to generate big explosive plays, and you don't need to have four receivers on the field. You don't need to be you know, completely spread out wide because if they're the Patriots and things are spread out like that, then they're, gonna, gonna, they're just going to blitz you. You're just making it harder, easier for them to blitz you. You're, you're just giving them more options to stay off in coverage and go, okay, you're only blocking five. Well, we're sending six. Like it's the, the Patriots defense is it, Belichick is a, a, a mastermind defensive coach, but when he plays an offense that he's not scared about, he plays the same way every time. And it's aggressive cover zero blitzes until you stop it. And if you don't stop it, then we're just going to play mind games with you. And we're going to show it, then drop out in the second half. And then we're going to have a three-man rush, and your quarterback's going to have all day to throw, but he's going to be so rattled and confused that he's not going to know what's happening. He's just going to be throwing the ball into no man's land or, quote-unquote, seeing ghosts. You can't let that happen if you're the Jets' offense. You, you just, you, you absolutely can't. So I, I agree. you got to find ways to get Hall involved. I want to see Xavier Gibson get some touches on offense this week. Mm, let's, yeah. get the ball in, let's get the ball in his hands. We've seen what he can do when, on punt returns. Like, Let's give him some shots on offense. Let's call let's call up those those bubble screens like you're talking about. Let's give Xavier Gibson a chance on a bubble screen. Let's come out with a that, you know, heavy tight end set and let's run a reverse. Let's get this guy the ball. I'm I'm really, really, I cannot stress this enough. The Jets offense will win or lose this game. I have my concerns about the defense, but I think the Jets defense, their their game plan isn't going to change much. It's still going to be the bend, but don't break. And you win this game if you are the Jets offense by being able to score fast enough to put pressure on the Patriots offense to keep up. If this is a slugfest, if this is a dogfight, if this is a marathon, I think the Jets lose, to be completely frank and honest. I, I, I don't see they, they don't win those type of games. They, they haven't for so long. To, to be able to go in and say, we're going to keep pace, we're going to be conservative, we're not going to be too aggressive. The only time they win those games is when the other team's quarterback makes repeated mistakes. Josh Allen lost the Bills the game against the Jets in week one. Josh Allen did. Wasn't the Jets beating the Bills, it was Josh Allen losing the game. Dak Prescott didn't lose the game for the Cowboys, we saw the result. If you're the, Patri- if you're the Jets going into this week against the Patriots, you cannot avoid that same result. You cannot hope and pray the other quarterback is going to make enough mistakes for you to be able to win the game. You're not the Patriots. You can't sit there and say, oh, we're fine. We'll chill. We'll hang out. We'll wait. Eventually, they'll make a mistake. You can't afford to do that. You have to be able to put points on the board early. You have to be able to dictate the flow of the game. You have to be able to to get this Patriots offense off their seats and be like, okay, we got to go out and we got to score. 
that's playing into the hand of the Jets defense. That's how they like to defend. That's when you're really letting them do what they do best. And if you're playing the the seven to three game for for three and a half quarters, it's going to be really hard to find a way to win. I completely agree. It's going to be wet. It's going to be hard for a lot of for both defenses, uh, especially in the tackling. It's going to be slippery. So I think the more you get it into the hands of the fast guys, the better. The more elusive guys, the better. Because they're the ones that are going to be really hard to tackle. And I think that we have such a stockpile, a plethora of talent in that area that can really make the difference. A win or lose, I think it will be in the hands of the explosives. Or not. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I really think that's what it's going to come down to. Um, looking at this defense, we, we had alluded to it, or I had alluded to it. I, I really didn't like how they played this past week against the Cowboys. And to be completely and totally fair, the Cowboys game plan was excellent. Absolutely excellent. They knew we have this all-star defense that we're trusting to keep this offense from scoring points. We don't need to go out there and throw the ball all over the yard. We don't need to go out there and and have this explosive attack where we're just constantly looking to attack downfield. We can be conservative. We can run the ball. We can get Tony Pollard his touches. We can find ways to get CeeDee Lamb the ball for seven or eight yards and let those build up or let him make it break a tackle and go. The Cowboys played it perfectly because they know the type of team that they are. And when you know your identity as a team, you also know what matchups favor you and what matchups favor your opponent. If you're the Jets, you have to know who you are as a team and say, okay, we are going to be this you know, conservative offense right now. We're, we're still figuring things out at quarterback. We're getting our star running back back involved, who's still on a pitch count. We have an offensive line who's really been struggling in pass protection. We got to figure out, you know, we got to stay conservative. We got to not make the mistake and let the game get ahead of us and get into a hole. Yeah, that's all well and good, but your defense isn't opportunistic enough to make that style of play work. Your defense is built to have a high-scoring offense that defends teams playing catch-up. Your defense isn't built to go out and win the game for you. So I'm, I'm looking at this defensively. I don't expect the Jets to change anything. As much as we can sit here till we're blue in the face and say Sauce Gardner should be shadowing every other team's number one receiver, it's not going to happen. And there's kind of no point in even discussing it because it's not going to happen. That's not how a zone-based defense is, is. It works. Moving sauce to somewhere else just means somebody else has to fill his spot and they have to know the pass-offs and they have to know the coverage rules and they have to know who am I carrying vertical and communicate with the safety on that side. And, and there's so much more that goes into it than just, again, like, oh, just double Micah Parsons. What about everybody else? Oh, just put Sauce Gardner on the opposing team's number one. What about everybody else? So if you're the Jets defense, I'm expecting a a similar game plan. I'm expecting them to be conservative. I'm expecting them to look to play the bend but don't break, try and capitalize on mistakes when they happen, and be the same old defense that we've seen them be. If you're the Patriots offense going against that, I think that's what you expect. And, And I think the Jets defense can have a pretty solid day overall because I don't know if there's enough threats on the Patriots offense to make the plays like a CD lamb, to make the plays like a Tony Pollard to, they don't have a Dak Prescott at quarterback. You know, this is a, a, a different style of offense to where I think the Jets defense doesn't need to reinvent the wheel, 
but it's really going to come down to their offense being able to score because if the defense is on the field for 40 minutes again, it means the Jets lost. No, I completely agree. Yeah, the, the you can talk about how Austin follow Lamb, but you know what? We don't need to worry about that this week because, yeah, the Patriots do not have a Lamb. They don't really have much at wide receiver other than Bourne and, and Juju Smith-Scholster. Uh, really, the biggest weapons they have are Stevenson and Hunter Henry. Uh, just kind of like when in week one, we, were, we thought that uh, Kincaid was the biggest weapon that we had to worry about uh, outside of Diggs. That, that I, I am worried about what Hunter Henry is going to do. So I feel like they're going to force feed him on the dink and dunks all day, and he's just going to eat, and he's just going to force missed tackles because he's strong. And he's big. And you're going to have Stevenson. They're just going to throw it to him out of the backfield. And he's going to get chunk plays. And he's going to get big plays because they're going to give him space. And they'll try to limit the the, the the big, big plays. But he'll still get chunks here and there. And they're just going to take that all day if we let them. So, yeah. It, it's I could see them playing conservative and playing their game. and. The Patriots being like, okay, well, we're just going to take it and we'll see what we can get out of it and we'll wait for you to make the mistake. So, can we be optimist, uh, opportunistic? I think so. I think we'll get our opportunities. This is Mac Jones. I we're not we're not playing the one of one of the best quarterbacks in the league or even somebody that I would say is in the top twenty. I think we'll get our chances if they take any. And yeah. we'll just need to capitalize on him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I'm not worried about Mac Jones. I know he can make some big plays. I know he can be accurate with the football. I, I'm I'm not saying he's a, a nothing burger and that there's going to be times when Mac does things right. It's going to happen. He's a an okay quarterback, still an NFL quarterback. The one guy that I'm worried about on this Patriots offense, you already said his name, Ramondre Stevenson. I'm... Just my opinion. I think this guy might be the most underrated player in the entire NFL. I mean, he is ridiculous. To be as elusive as he is, to be as tough to tackle as he is, to break tackles when people do get a hand on him, to be as good of a receiver as he is, to be as good in space as he is. This guy is an excellent, excellent, excellent running back. And he does not get talked about amongst some of the better backs in the league. And for the life of me, I can't understand why. He has pretty much everything you could ask for in a pro running back besides elite breakaway deep speed. And I don't think you need elite breakaway deep speed to be a star running back in the NFL. If you have vision, if you have agility, if you have the ability to make plays in space and break tackles, you can generate yards. You can be effective. You can you can have a, a solid career. And I, I just don't know any other players that have a thousand yard seasons going off 2022, had a thousand and forty rushing yards at five yards a carry, added 80, uh, had added 69 receptions for another 421 yards. And no, and you, you ask who are the five or 10 best running backs in the league, and no one remembers Ramon J. Stevenson exists. I, I don't get it. I, I really, really don't get it. Quincy Williams is on the injury report right now with a knee injury. He's limited. Quincy Williams is going to have himself a day 
trying to cover Ramondre Stevenson. James Cook is dangerous, and we saw some great things out of Quincy in week one to, to really have some encouragement. We even saw some in week two. We saw him pop a few times. This is going to be the game if you're Quincy Williams. You have to step up. You have to make those big plays because if you slow down Stevenson, I don't think anybody else on this offense beats you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And you know that they're going to find nice, creative ways to get Stevenson involved. And I think that Hackett should take a look at every single thing that they do with Stevenson and do it with Hall <laughs> because yes. Hall has the same ability, if not more. And just copy. This is a copycat league. Just copy every single thing they do and throw it right back at them. Because Stevenson is a monster out there. Fantasy-wise, reality-wise, he's a monster. And if you let him, he will take over a game. He will make people miss constantly. He made people miss against us last year constantly. He has made a living at making people miss and getting giant chunk plays while running, while receiving. Doesn't matter. He's that guy. So game plan around him. Let's put, let's take a page out of Belichick's book. Who's their biggest threat? Stevenson? Take him out. I don't mean like Bounty Gate take him out. I mean just plan to take him out of the game. Make him not effective. All right? It. I know it's not it's a, it's not as simple as just saying it. It's just like it is with Parsons, but you you can kind of see the limitations that he will have. There, that game is going to be within the first five yards. I don't see him being used as a deep threat. So if you just cut the field into that first five yards with Stevenson, and you have bodies and eyes on him I think you can slow him down whether that'll be successful that that's another issue. it's all about execution yeah it really is easier said than done of stopping this guy uh, I, I don't have the the numbers off the top of my head just pulling them off but I'd be really curious to look at at leaders in the NFL and broken tackles force last year because I'd be shocked if Ramondre Stevenson isn't in the top five I'd be shocked. I just, that's all this guy does is just break tackles and, and get positive yards and fall forward and stay upright and find the little creases to squirt through. And, and then he gets out into open space and he can still run and make big plays. And I'm just, this is the guy on the Patriots offense. You have to have your focus on. You have to, you can't forget where he is. You can't let him sneak out the backfield on a wheel route and get uncovered. You, you have to have eyes on him at all times. And if the Patriots want to force feed him, that's fine. Let him let them tire him out. Let them let them let Ramondre be their offense and do everything you can to limit him. I'm not scared of Zeke Elliott at all. I'm not worried when Zeke comes in the game whatsoever. When Zeke comes in the game, that's a win for the Jets defense, in my opinion. Every time Ramondre Stevenson is off the field is a win for the Jets defense. So if they want to make him the game plan and tire him out early and they don't want to have that same we need to be aggressive and we need to score and we need to get up to a lead and we need to play our style of football, regardless of who our quarterback is. Then I think that you can find a way as the jets to outlast this team. Cause you're right, Matt, it is going to be a long game. It is going to be 
weather and downpour and it's, there's going to be times of needing to be conservative and there is that little bit of who can outlast each other coming to this but if you're trying to outlast each other playing from behind it's a heck of a lot different than outlasting each other when you come out with a lead to start so um in my opinion the game plan for both sides of the ball is very very simple on offense you have to trust zach you have to get some max protection looks you have to throw the ball down the field you have to back this Patriots defense off. You cannot let them repeat Monday night football against Sam Darnold. You can't. And if you're the Jets defense, rally and tackle to Ramondre Stevenson, get hands on, wrap up, bring people to the ground, make sure that he is your number one focus and live with whatever little bits of whatever you give up to anybody else. And I think you can find a way to win. Oh, absolutely. Just to go back to what you were saying before about Stevenson. Uh, he was number two in the league last year in yards after there contact per attempt. Guess who was number one? Resol. <laughs> so, even with uh, that little nugget, there's still some encouragement there. So, but I completely agree. All right. I think we're good to get into picks. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Matt. Why don't you go ahead and lead us off? So, I think it's going to be another really boring game in terms of score. Um, I think it's, I don't think anybody's going to score more than one touchdown. Uh, I'm going to say final score is Jets 13, Patriots 10. Okay. Okay. We are, uh, we are very, very close. Um, I think there will be, I'm going to go with three touchdowns scored total between both teams. Um, I have it 14, 10 Jets. Uh, I do think the Jets can win this game. I think they're the more talented team. I think the Patriots are really feeling the effects of Brady list now for the last couple of years and, and coming to terms with not being the dynasty and not being the dominant force that they were. We saw last year, if not for a, a penalty wiping away a Michael Carter pick six, the Jets probably beat the Patriots the first time they played last season. If not with with the worst game Zach Wilson has ever played as an off uh, as a professional quarterback, it took a last second punt return touchdown for the Patriots to win that game in New England. I think the Jets are the better team, and I think as long as they can back that defense off early, even if Ramondre Stevenson is a problem, I don't think the rest of the Patriots offense can keep up. I'm expecting with the monsoon that to be difficult, but that goes both ways, where wrapping up Ramondre in a, in a hurricane is a lot easier said than done. So is wrapping up Brees Hall in a hurricane. So is wrapping up Garrett Wilson in a hurricane. That goes That plays on both sides. So I'm I'm expecting some sloppy play. I'm expecting some some missed tackles on both teams, but I do think the Jets just have the overall better roster. I think they've I think Zach Wilson has made enough improvements and will continue to make enough improvements to be serviceable. And I think the Jets can win this game 14-10 Jets. Yep, totally agree. And I, I think we're both in the same spot here. It's like we know they have the team that can win this game. This is a very winnable game. It's just a matter of execution. It's just a matter of, you know, just taking the, 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 the shackles off and just letting the team be who they are, letting them excel where they excel. And that's our best way of winning for the rest of the season, not just this game. Agreed. So now's a good time to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. This team spent all summer preparing to be an explosive offense. And in four plays, that changed. But you can't take all the work you've done all summer and all the plays you installed and all of the reps that you got of being this downfield passing attack 
and just throw it all in the garbage because Aaron Rodgers isn't playing anymore. You that's that's you you wasted your entire summer then if you don't take any amount of translatable anything. And if you're the Jets, and this is where I'll end. If you're going to have Robert Sala out on the podium every single week saying, this is Zach Wilson's team, we believe in him, we believe in the progress, we're, it's not a competition, we're not bringing in anybody to compete, then you can't sit there and shackle the, your own quarterback that you're defending to the end of the earth. You have to pick a side. You, have to, you can't play both ways. You can't sit there and act like Zach is untouchable and he's your guy and we're not going to do anything in our power to challenge him or, or bring in competition or have any threat to his job security, and then also go out on offense and coach like you're scared of your own quarterback. It doesn't work that way. No, it's not a recipe for winning. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. I appreciate everybody so much for tuning in. Matt, you know the drill. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jet. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. You can also follow the show at OKD podcast. Thank you all one more time. So, so much for tuning in and listening and stopping by. We will be back real, real soon to hopefully break down a Jets win over the Patriots to hopefully end this streak and keep this season alive. Could not have gone any way that any of us would have hoped or predicted, but here we are. The Jets are still fighting. They still have a roster that's, that's plenty talented and can win some games, and they got a very winnable one this week against the Patriots. Thank you guys one more time, and we'll talk real, real soon. Bye-bye.